a word about today's sermon before we stand for our gospel reading today. Today's sermon is inspired by a sermon by my friend and mentor, Dr. David Bartlett, which was preached at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Atlanta on November 17th, 2013. A sermon entitled, Really? Preached it five years ago last Sunday. It has remained one of Ellen and my favorites. One year ago tomorrow, I took part in David's funeral service. His sermons were a testimony to his steadfast hope and a reality, which he now knows face to face. This sermon, inspired by his, will not hold a candle to the fire of the original, yet is nonetheless humbly dedicated to David Bartlett, and to God be the glory. Will you please stand for our reading from the Gospel of John? Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked again, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born. For this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. You are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I'm not sure when it happened, but at some point along the way, the communion liturgy of Christ's church seems to have dropped off a portion of the ritual language. What is spoken at the communion table here after the breaking of the bread has been This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Period. But we should go on to say, for as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You regulars of the Wednesday afternoon healing service may have noticed that I include that language because it is important. 
to say that the reason why we join in this meal is that we announce our faith in a promise until he comes. When I attended Columbia Seminary, I picked up the custom of that worshiping community to take it a step further. At the communion table, we said, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and he is coming. When we leave our children with a babysitter, it is assumed from the moment we get in the car that we will return. But to the dozing babysitter in a living room with toys spread across the floor and dirty dishes in the kitchen, it is quite another thing to get the text that says, we are on the way. It's not just that Jesus will return at some point. We must know that he is coming. And when he comes, He's not just popping in to say hi. He will bring all heaven down with him. Wake up. We are on the way. From this reign of Christ Sunday, we move into the season of Advent where we remember the promise of Christ's return even as we anticipate the story of the birth of Jesus at the first Christmas. He has come and he is coming. We know the world Jesus entered, for that is the world that we now live in. It is real to us. But what of this kingdom to come? What exactly are we to expect? Listen again to some of Daniel's vision for the kingdom of God. He wrote, As I watched, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. And his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. Really? Well, Daniel thought so. And Jesus took his name, son of man, right from Daniel. Jesus also took this same prophecy saying in Mark's gospel, and then they will see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Really? Jesus thought so too. When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray, he said, pray like this, our father in heaven, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we do still to this day pray as he taught for God's kingdom to come to earth. This Jesus told us to expect, hope, work, and pray for. And so we do. But when we ask God over and over and over again to take all our earthly nations and kingdoms and supplant them with God's heavenly kingdom, are, what are we really asking for? Really? Daniel in the Old Testament reading and Revelation in the New Testament reading are both looking forward to an incredible moment in time when the end of this reality will give way to a new beginning. Jesus who is and who was and who is to come does come. 
and unites every person, every nation, every part of life on earth in his loving reign forever and ever. So it is to be. Amen. What confidence. What hope. What power. What are we to expect of this reign? Really? When David Bartlett preached five years ago about the vision God has for the world, the kind of kingdom God will bring, the kind of world God intends, it is a world inspired by the prophet Isaiah, where we are not withered with old age, where nation is not suffused with violence, where no infant will live only a few days, where the earth is not a place of division and dispute, but of God's joy. In the dreams of the Bible we have heard today, when Jesus comes and is given kingship over all peoples and all nations, no troops are then amassed at the border with razor wire to keep out those seeking the freedom of Christ. Those refugees speaking other languages are welcomed before this king rather than treated so cruelly as to deter others from seeking such grace. This is the hopeful vision for every Christian. The reality we are called to work towards, and at the very least, hope for. David said, Prophets do not describe the world as we read it or see it on CNN or find it looking around the neighborhood. They draw on a world that stands over against our world as a goal, a guide, a lure, an enticement. They draw the world that God intends to assure us that however sad the world we live in now seems to be, God builds us, moves us, dreams us, hopes us toward a better world. In the gospel reading, Jesus is speaking of that kingdom, clearly not of this world. Jesus says if his kingdom were from this world, then his followers would be acting like the violent partisan people of this world. He said, if my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. But as it is, Jesus is from a kingdom established in the offering of love, not violence. Jesus' reign needs no defense, for it is to be shared freely given to all who are unconditionally welcomed. Jesus looks at our world and sees it both as it is and as it can and will be. He speaks the language of the prophets before him to inspire us to join the triune God in moving, dreaming, building, hoping us toward a better world. Jesus isn't just speaking of some far-off hope we assume will come one day. Jesus looks an earthly politician, Pontius Pilate, in the face and declares, For this I was born. For this I came into the world. For this right here, right now. This place. This is the place of Jesus' ultimate concern. And we, beloved of Christ, we are his kingdom, really. We hope and trust and work towards the vision of the kingdom testified to in scripture because we already have some sense of what 
the world God intends looks like here. Quoting David, the reason we believe in that reality is because we see what God intends for the world, and what God intends for the world is a world that looks a lot like Jesus. What comes at the end will be a Jesus-shaped world. His mercy, his justice, his self-sacrifice, his loving suffering, his surprising triumph. Five years ago, when David Bartlett willed his congregation to imagine the glory of the kingdom of God, he shared a story ripped from the headlines of the day and said, sometimes what's real isn't just what we usually see and certainly not what we can usually measure. The story was of Bat Kid. Does anybody remember that one? Miles Scott was a five-year-old with leukemia. The Make-A-Wish Foundation asked Miles what his wish was, and Miles said his wish was to be Batman for a day. Well, word got out on social media, and 13,000 San Francisco's joined together to make that previous Friday Bat Day in San Francisco. There was uh, a bat costume for Miles, a Batmobile, and a senior Batman to help out Bat Kid. San Francisco, San Francisco became Gotham City. It, they even uh, put out a, a Gotham Herald. That day, Miles, the Bat Kid, fought the forces of evil in Gotham City, rounded up the Penguin and the Riddler, and made headlines and stole hearts and inspired sermons all around the world. Did San Francisco really disappear and become Gotham City? No. Was evil really banished forever? Mm, not entirely. And Miles? But for a few hours, another reality took hold of that community and together they pushed against the mundane reality of the city on the bay for the sake of miles. For a few hours, a new vision of life enriched and revised the vision of life as usual. In that reality, miles wasn't a five-year-old with leukemia. He was bat kid and he saved his city. Had Pontius Pilate been present, perhaps he would have asked Miles, so you are Bat Kid. You say that I am. And he was wearing the uniform. Jesus said, you say that I am a king, but my kingdom is not from this reality. But he was wearing the uniform, a crown, only it was of thorns. A little bit like Daniel's night visions of the entirely good and just reign of Christ, which comes to earth from the clouds and will never die. David imagined a reality beyond what we can see and can measure. Jonathan Edwards was an influential American preacher and theologian in the 1700s. He preached a sermon called uh, heaven is a world of love. 
and dreamed his own vision for the reality of the reign of Christ. He preached that there in heaven, this fountain of love, this eternal three in one, is set open without any obstacle to hinder access to it. There, this glorious God is manifested and shines forth in full glory, in beams of love. And there, the fountain overflows in streams and rivers of love and delight, enough for all to drink at and to swim in, yea, so as to overflow the world, as it were, with a deluge of love. A little bit like the vision of Revelation, where the whole world comes together as one before the love of God. For Edwards, there are no obstacles for any person to a flourishing life fully embraced by the love of God in the kingdom to come. I love the image of the world as an overflowing fountain of love. That's a beautiful image, really. But here's my vision born out of Jesus' promise that he came for this world, this one right here where we pray every week for people who are sick, where we pray for an end to the violence in our community, for an end to the drug dealing that plagues our streets and the human trafficking that thrives on our corners. Here's what I long Jesus will bring with his reign. A world where Batkid isn't called for because a five-year-old named Miles doesn't get cancer and have to endure three years of treatments where toxic drugs are pushed into his body. A world where the mundane, the routine, just another normal day is so longed for that it becomes infused with the holy. And so, It came to pass last week on the fifth anniversary of David's sermon at Trinity Prez, on the first anniversary of his funeral service at Trinity Prez, on the fifth anniversary of Bat Kids saving Gotham City, a.k.a. San Francisco. Another story ripped from the headlines so perfectly demonstrated the reign of Christ dreamed, hoped, worked for in this world. There he was again. The headline read, five years after saving San Francisco, Bat Kid is cancer free. David said, sometimes what's most real is what we dream toward and what we work toward and what we pray toward. And finally, the promise goes, The reality we dream for will give way to a reality where a 10-year-old named Miles doesn't have cancer and lives a normal life as a full participant in his community. Where the headline news is that a typical kid is playing Little League, going to school, helping on his family farm, and even selling his first goat in the local fair. As the story went, last week. A typical kid in the kingdom of God, where Jesus' reign of healed bodies and minds never gives way to cancer, 
where Christ's reign of inclusion never gives way to prejudice or nationalism, where Christ's reign of love never gives way to broken relationships or abuse or violence, where we who belong to the truth and listen to Jesus' voice proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes again and he is coming. Finally, Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, and what is truth? It is this, beloved. Kathleen and David, your nephew sang it last week in Handel's Messiah. The truth is, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The truth is this, that Miles Scott is alive, and he's 10 years old, and he's playing baseball, and he sold a goat, and on cue, the heavens burst open, and there is a deluge of love, and the angels sing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Really. <laughs>